Amen. You can be seated. One time I gave the entire message of a wedding, turned around to the audience, and I forgot to tell them they could be seated, so they stood there for the whole thing. And no one said anything. They're just really obedient, I guess. So, um, so thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Uh, if we haven't met yet, my name is Matt Van Sant. I have been on staff here for four years. Uh, I do the worship ministry. Um, actually, can we tell the worship team thanks this morning? This, they put in hours, hours and hours. And sometimes, I mean, people's schedules change, and I, I call them up the week of, and they drop stuff, like cancel other plans to come be on the worship team. And so we clap after songs, and it's, it's not for the worship team, so don't feel weird. But we'd, it's, we're clapping because we're agreeing God's good, right? But, but it's, yeah, if you see a worship team member like, hey, I think I've seen you up there, just say thanks, because they, they do a lot. I'm also uh, on the youth team. We just got back from uh, a conference in Colorado Springs, and it was awesome. I think people give Gen Z kind of a really hard time, but if you actually get to know them and you watch them come together and go all out for the Lord, the future's bright. So be kind. Be kind to the next generation. They're awesome. Um, I've been married for two years to my beautiful wife, Anna, who has left. Oh, she's in the back. And we have a, <laughs> we have a five-month-year-old daughter, year-old, five-month-old daughter, Emery. And she is a lot of fun. She is beautiful. Um, so I, I get to speak today on something that I'm, I actually don't feel like I'm very good at. So I'm kind of nervous. So would you just learn with me? We're going to learn this together. Sound good? All right. So we're continuing our series of what's called uh, What's in Store. It's studying the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus preaching to a bunch of people near the beginning of his ministry. So we're in Matthew 7, verses 7 through 12. If you have your Bibles, um, go ahead and open them up. Um, so let's go ahead and read it. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything... Do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. So I actually want to start with verse 12. We can put it back up there. There is a really cool connection between verse 12 and what comes before it. Uh, I'm not sure what it is. So we're, these are the verses Andrew gave me. And we're going to knock it out. So ready? Verse 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Here's what I think that means. Are you ready? Okay. In everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I'm going to invite the worship team back up. And we're, uh, um, yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's important. Let's just do it. Let's just do that, okay, in everything. Let's do it. Uh, so let's go back to verses 7 and 8. Um, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receive. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, the door will be open. And so a few things just to start here. Jesus is primarily talking about prayer, but it could 
mean more generally as well. Uh, the second thing is that in the original language, these verbs are actually more active, so it would, as they were hearing it, they would have understood ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, and knock and keep knocking. It's not just a one-time thing, but it's an active, continual thing. And the third thing is how profound this would have been to the people who were hearing it for the first time. Because Jesus isn't talking to the, the religious elite and the professionals who knew of very well what kind of access they had to God. These were, uh, he was sharing this to people who had been continually reinforced how they didn't have access to God, how they, all the things that were in the way between them and, and the presence of God. And there was uh, all sorts of rituals. Even in the temple when they would go to worship, there was different uh, levels to what they could enter into. And only one person, the high priest, could enter into the actual presence of God, the Holy of Holies. But then based on your gender and, and what tribe you came from, you, were, you knew how little access you had to God based on um, all of that. And so um, I actually wonder if that's kind of a similar place that a lot of us are coming from. We've spent a lot of our time, maybe if you grew up in the faith, um, I don't think we set it up here like this, but I, I had this like underlying feeling where I was focusing more on what separated me from God more than what brought me to God. So for them to hear, ask and you'll receive, seek and you will find, it was probably pretty jarring for them. And so I actually want us to take a second. If you have a journal or you want to take notes on your phone, I think it'll be helpful. Um, but I just want us to reflect, what are, what are we asking for? What are we seeking and what doors are we knocking on? And it's, it's mostly about prayer, but it applies generally to our lives. What are we seeking? So just, yeah, take a moment. What are we asking? What are we really looking for? What opportunities are we seeking? So close your eyes if it helps. Take some notes. That's not enough time to reflect on some big questions like that, but so maybe that's something to do between you and the Lord later. But I think many of you already have great answers. You're, you have specific, you have, uh, and you're committed in your prayer life, and that's you're going after it, and that's awesome. And, and you may go because I have nothing else for you. Good job, you're doing well. I don't see anyone taking me up on that offer. So, um, but what I'm about to share is it's a pretty personal conviction, and I, I, my prayer is that it connects with you guys as well, because um, I think I actually have a really hard time answering those questions. A lot of it's, it's my job to be here. I do upper room stuff on Wednesday night. I'm I'm praying often. I'm, I'm uh, would like to think I'm seeking the Lord often. But when I am confronted with those questions in practice. What am I actually asking for continually? And I, I actually don't know if I have good, good answers to those questions. And if I do, it's kind of shallow. It's like what I grew up praying around the dinner table. Like, God, I pray that we have a good day today. Or, um, or God, would you just move Iowa somewhere else, like to the mountains or to the beaches? <laughs> with better. Like, I want us, but just somewhere else. And um, Maybe I just know what I should be seeking um, for me or for my family or community, but the way I've been spending my time and my energy actually reveals something else. And so as I was 
uh, sitting with the Lord, I, I found three reasons that maybe we don't ask or seek or knock, or maybe to the level that we could. And so the first thing I found was complacency. And I'd, it's just not recognizing our need of God. Like, we're good. Like, things are generally pretty good. And I like to think of it as like the country Christianity where he, it's like, I don't need a whole lot of anything. I just want a little bit of everything. And I, I got my girl and my dog and my truck and a cold drink in America and, um, you know, and then church on Sunday morning kind of thing. And, and it's just living the dream. We have our life and we kind of like it the way it is. And, and so <laughs> sometimes we can find ourselves in a place of like living in a way that actually doesn't require anything of God. And so we're not asking. And I don't need much from God for me to just keep going through the motions for days, weeks, months at a time. I don't need him other than the fact that he gives me my breath and sustains all of life. I don't need him to keep doing things the way I've been doing them. Um, and maybe we just don't realize how much more God has in store for us. We just wouldn't even know what to ask for. So complacency. The next one is fear. Like, what if God doesn't come through? And we, we sing that song, that you're never going to let, you're never going to let me down. You're like, that dude's our worship leader. That's our song. And, um, but it's a lot easier to sing when we haven't given God a chance to let us down. We haven't put anything so valuable in his hands that if he doesn't come through, it doesn't work. And, and so fear prevents us from asking. Um, we don't want to, the, the kind of ironic thing is, is we're afraid that our faith would be shaken if God doesn't come through. And so we don't ask. And the irony is that if you think he's not going to come through, that's not a whole lot of faith. Right? But we're, we want to protect our image of God. We don't want the, our image of God to be broken by him not doing what he said he would do. Um, and maybe you're just discouraged and don't want to be discouraged again. You prayed for healing and it didn't happen. You prayed for a certain situation or relationship and it hasn't gotten any better and you're just afraid of being let down again. And then I think the biggest fear and I think the number one thing that the enemy loves for us to question about who God is is what if he's not that good? What if... What if he tricks me? What if he doesn't care? What if instead of him answering my prayer, he, um, or he's not there to be found, or he doesn't open doors, he actually hides and he closes doors just to teach me a lesson? Maybe he's harsh. Um, so we're, we're afraid to ask. And so then the third thing is shame. Why would he answer me? Who am I to ask anything of him? After the week I had, after the decisions I made, after the thing I said, after how long it's been since I've asked for anything. And that there's this idea, if I don't ask for anything, maybe he won't notice me just struggling over here in the corner. But it's kind of like when kids ask their parents for something, like, you know, you know when to ask. Like, most of you kids, you know when to ask for ice cream. Like, you got good grades on your report card, or you cleaned your room without your parents asking. Kids, you should take notes. Um, that you helped with the dishes, you mowed the lawn, you mowed Matt's lawn for, for just a high five and an attaboy, and uh, that's when you ask for ice cream. And um, the secret, your parents want ice cream too, so you can really ask any time. You, you'll probably get it. Um, but when, <laughs> when you've done something that you shouldn't have done, and when you feel like you've been away from the Lord too long, um, that's when it's... You want to keep quiet. 
we try to keep quiet. We, we, we do the same thing with God. We, we lay low and, and we try not to need anything from him because we would, we would rather not get what we needed than have to be confronted with our shortcomings. And um, so if anyone's feeling encouraged, <laughs> good, because this has not been encouraging so far. But um, I have two questions that we're going to ask and uh, that are going to help us overcome our complacency, our fear, and our shame. And, and the first one is, who are we asking? Who are we asking? And, and Jesus answers this in the, in the passage in verse 9 through 11. He goes, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will, you, will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? He calls it, he's, he's a father, not only is the Father, Jesus says, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts? And, and so we're looking at the Father as he's capable and he's willing. He's capable. He's the creator. He's the provider. He's abundantly generous. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the, and hard times have not fallen on heaven. Amen. He, he is doing well. But we don't always struggle with capable. We struggle with willing. I know God could. Does he want to? And um, Romans 8.32, I think I have it in there, and if I don't, I could just read it, but it says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? I did forget it. That's my bad. Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah, let me read it again. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? His own son, his own son. He's that good. Because I would think, I would like to think that I would die for you guys. I, like I, I would like to think I'm the kind of guy I'd lay down my life for you. I have a five-month daughter, and I'm not giving her up for any of you. I just, I'm just not. I hope I have the heart that could someday. But that's the Father's heart for you that he would give up his own son for you. Would he not also graciously give you all things? Notice how it says graciously instead of grudgingly. He's not divided in his desire to give to you. He's not unsure. He's not in heaven going like, well, I really don't feel like giving to them, but I said I would, so I guess here we go. And it's, it's not like that time that you told your friend you would help them move and they're cashing in on it. Like, <coughs> Nicholas. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to, I want to, I want to. Um, and, and speaking of the son who he, he gives us, our, you know that the son is the one who we make our appeal through in heaven when we pray. Jesus is both understanding and he's ultimately victorious. He knows what it's like to be human. He was tempted in every way. He experienced loss and betrayal. He experienced separation from the father because of the weight of every sin of all of humanity, past, present, and future that he bore for us. He knows what it's like to be separated from God. And, um, and then ultimately, he is victorious. He conquered sin and death. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, unrivaled in heaven. And what's he doing there? Hebrews 7 actually says he always lives to intercede for those who are being saved. What that means is he always lives to pray for you. To intercede is like you're standing in somebody else's shoes and praying on behalf of them. 
And so right now in heaven, you have Jesus sitting right next. He has the Father's full attention. He has his ear, and he's praying for you on your behalf. And I, that's too good to believe. I don't even know if I understand how good that is. But Jesus represents you in heaven right now. He's our man in heaven. And then we have the Holy Spirit. We're asking, seeking, knocking. And, and the Holy Spirit is, he is intimately present. It's the Spirit of Christ among us and within us uh, that moved over the waters at creation and gave form to all that the Father commanded. The same Spirit that empowered all of Jesus' ministry and raised him from the dead is the same Spirit that we have access to. And he's active. He's here, present, living, moving, breathing. And so that's who we're asking. He's a capable and willing Father, the, the understanding, victorious Son, and the intimately present and active Holy Spirit. And so that's the first question to help us overcome complacency, fear, shame. The second one is, who's asking? Who's asking? It's like we're throwing up our requests, and the Father's like, well, who's asking? And if, it, if somebody's asking me for money or for my time or for my energy, like, it, it probably depends who's asking. Like, when Emery leans towards me, like wanting me to, or she's gonna, someday she's gonna lift up her hands and say, pick me up, and I will pick her up every time. But if I'm walking from the office over here and Bruce goes, pick me up, <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'm just not. I'll help you stand up wherever Bruce is. I'll help you up, but you're walking. But, um, so who's asking? Um, we're gonna go to Romans 8, uh, verse, starting in verse 14. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God, are the children of God. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. It says, Abba, we'll stay on, on the last one. Abba is, um, Abba, Father. When you, sometimes we try to talk to the Father, talk to God like, I don't know, if you get too old to call your dad Dada or Abba, um, it's almost like you're saying like, well, yeah, Father, like we're being formal, we're kind of, you're, you're still above me, but we're kind of on the same level, and, and God the Father goes, no, you can call me Abba, you call me Dada. And, and I've been trying for, since Emery was in the womb, I've been working on her first words being Dada. Um, but it keeps going in verse 17, it says, now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. We are heirs of God. What a wild concept. Co-heirs with Christ. Co-heirs with Christ. Galatians 4, 7 says, therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And so somehow our inheritance is the same as Jesus. What the passage says, and I don't really know <laughs> what all that means, but I know it's a big deal. And as I was um, sitting with it, I just kind of realized, like, my inheritance with God has more to do about who Jesus is than, than what I've done and, and what I deserve. My, I have an inheritance from my Father in heaven because of Jesus. And, and the other thing I sensed from the Lord about my inheritance is, and, and for us, he reminded me of the story of Jesus being baptized in the book of Mark. It says that the, the heavens were torn open and the spirit descended like a dove in bodily form and rested on Jesus. And a voice from heaven thundered and it said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. 
you are in Jesus now. If you have professed him as Lord of your life and given your life to him, you are in him. And the same pleasure that exists between the Father and the Son for all of eternity rests on you because of Jesus. God is not only good and willing, he's pleased with you. We inherit the pleasure of God through Jesus, which is such a wild idea. And so um, I found something in the midst of sitting with this and, and recognizing some of the complacency, fear, and shame. I, I've noticed when I can answer these two questions uh, truthfully, who is he and who am I? I, don't even, I? What else do I ask for? I have all, I'm so satisfied by the reality of who God is and, and who I am to him and um, that he's, he's that good and capable and willing and, and that I'm his boy and he's pleased with me. I have an inheritance with him in Christ and that is far beyond anything that I, I just lose track of things that I'm asking for. I've found it. I lose track of things that I'm seeking when I understand those two things because I've found it, all that I could ever want. And so I'm actually going to have Nicholas come up here because we're going to put some of these things into practice. And so, um, so the, the question of what, what's left to ask for and seek and knock, like surely, Matt, the whole thing was like, well, you don't have to ask, seek, or knock. Because Jesus said, ask, seek, knock, and, and we can be so satisfied in him, but there are things left for us to ask. And um, I mean, Solomon asked for wisdom, so that worked out pretty well for him, so you could start there. But... Um, I have two things that we're really going to go after uh, and we're going to put into practice. And the first one is what, what my heart really burns for, just to know him, just to seek him. Because we can, we can go after things. We need things to be successful and, and to grow and to survive and to advance his kingdom. And we need things, but just to seek him just to seek his presence, just to ask and keep asking for more of him, to knock and keep knocking, that the door of the revelation of who Jesus is would be open to us. Jeremiah 29, um, 11, does somebody know that verse? For I know the plans, or you know the plans I have for you. I know somebody else know it, because I don't, obviously. (laughs) Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. The verses after it says, then... You will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. You will seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Psalm 27, 4 says, One thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on his beauty to seek him in his temple. And later in verse 8, it says, My heart says if you seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. To seek him wholeheartedly. And a couple practical things if, um, before we put this into to, uh, practice in the moment. We're going to, um, I'm just going to invite you to carve out time again to spend time with the Lord. It's, it's not a new thing. Many of you have done it well in the past. Many of you are doing it well. Some of you are like, I don't really know if I'm that kind of a Christian yet. Just spend time with them. Pray, read scripture, just be alone with the Lord again. Um, make it a priority. And then another thing is, is upper room. It's a ministry we do on Wednesday nights at 7 in the upper room. That's why we called it that. And uh, 
we just come and pray and we worship. There's worship going on the whole time. No one's asking you to pray out loud. You don't have to pray in groups or anything. You just come and seek the Lord. And that's what we're doing. So come to that on Wednesday nights. But we're just going to seek him as we are now. Um, yeah, so close your eyes or open your hands. And just silently in your own heart, we're just going to seek him. Just ask to see him. You're all we're after. You're all I need. Seeking him doesn't require anything else, just you, your attention. So I ask the Holy Spirit that you would reveal yourself to us. You're always present. Help us to be present to you. and we keep asking for more of you. We seek and we keep seeking. We knock and we keep knocking. More of you, Lord, to know you. Amen. And the next thing uh, that we're gonna, we're gonna pray for actually has to do more with our identity. And so we're, gonna not, we're not just gonna seek him, we're gonna seek his kingdom. Because there's power in our position with God. And so... Not only are we adopted, we're loved, we're, um, he's pleased with us, he delights in us. If you are a son or a daughter of God, you're a part of the family business. You are not only loved, you're appointed. You have a position in the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians 5, uh, if you want to write it down and look it up later, 17 through 21, talks about how God gives us the ministry of reconciliation. We are now part of the ministry. He gives us the ministry of reconciliation, of making things right to God, of bringing other people back to God. It's our ministry that he's given us. And later it says, in that same passage, it says, as Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through you. And so if you're an ambassador of the kingdom of God, like as an American ambassador, you're sent to a foreign land and you have the voice and you have the authority of the, the one who sent you, of the president. And likewise with God, if you're Christ's ambassador, we are placed here in a foreign land, but we have the voice and the authority that God has given us in this foreign land. When you recognize your appointment in God, it should change the things that we're asking for and seeking, that not only are we just here to just be loved, but we're here to love others that we're seeking his kingdom advancing because as an ambassador, that's our job. Peter calls us priests. Like, I don't care if you just accepted Christ this morning during the beautiful worship at the beginning or you've been following him for, you're a priest. You're a priest. We stand before God and man and we, we pray that they come together more and more. So not only do we recognize we're loved by God, but we recognize our appointment in God to, uh, to change what we're asking for and seeking and, um, 
So let's, let's seek that his kingdom would come, that his kingdom would advance. And so um, think big, think bigger than you've been thinking. Think specific for his rule and his reign to come in and through us. Pray for schools, workplaces, your family, communities. It's our, our ministry now. Still directed by Jesus, and he's, but he's moving in us to, to carry it out. And so well, how we're going to pray for this is something we do as a worship team a lot. It's called One Voice Prayer. Um, and we're all going to pray out loud together at the same time. So everybody's saying something out loud so you're not caring about what the person next to you, but it matters that we express it outwardly, I think. So we're just going to pray for his kingdom to come. We're going to seek his kingdom and, and pray as you're led. If you don't know what to pray, just say, God, let your kingdom come and just say it over and over again. But, but let's just pray all together in one voice. Close your eyes, bow your heads, whatever works best for you, but we're going we're gonna to seek him. So Jesus, come. Yeah, every voice, yeah, every voice crying out for your kingdom come, Jesus. Yeah, I begin to pray for our schools, Lord, that his kingdom would invade our schools. What would that look like? Be specific. Pray for your workspace or, or your home or your circle of influence. Keep praying out loud. It matters that we pray out loud. for Knoxville, for Pleasantville, for Melcher, for Pella, that his kingdom would come. We're seeking you, God.